Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Today we're going to look at the relationship between faith and knowledge. As you are all aware, we are currently teaching on the subject of faith because faith is the master key that unlocks or releases every good thing and every blessing that the Lord has already bestowed upon us in the realm of the Spirit. So today we're going to look at the relationship between faith and knowledge and what role knowledge plays in relation to exercising our faith and thus becoming fruitful and productive. The measure of spiritual knowledge we possess will determine the measure of faith we will exercise. I want to say that again because it's very important. The measure of spiritual knowledge we possess will determine the measure of faith we will be able to successfully exercise. I say that because faith operates on the platform of revelation knowledge. Faith operates on the platform of revelation knowledge. Someone said that faith begins where the will of God is known. In other words, we can only exercise our faith for those things which God has already promised and has given to us. You cannot believe God for something He did not promise. That is why I say that faith begins where the will of God is known. Where there is light and knowledge, faith is always present. We don't have to struggle to believe or to have faith. Faith always rests because it knows. And when light is turned on, faith is already there. Spiritual ignorance, on the other hand, is the cause of all of the failures within the church. Every failure we experience, every form of defeat, the root cause of that is spiritual ignorance. God said through the mouth of Hosea in the Old Covenant that His people are destroyed as a result of a lack of knowledge. That's what the Word of God says. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Not the unbeliever, not the sinner. He's speaking to God's own people. So wherever there is lack of knowledge or spiritual ignorance, that is where the enemy does his primary work. So ignorance, according to the Word of God, is the primary weapon of the devil. He uses deception. 
People who are ignorant where the will of God is concerned, where the word of God is concerned, are easily deceived because they do not know the truth. Therefore, I say that ignorance is the primary weapon the enemy uses. He is also called in the Bible the Prince of Darkness. Darkness in the Word of God is referred to spiritual ignorance. And ignorance is the field or the platform on which he works. If we destroy his platform, we can easily destroy his works in our lives, but also in the lives of our loved ones or the ones that we have influence over. To stop his work and to bring it to a halt, we must destroy the platform upon which he operates from. And to do that, we need to receive light or spiritual knowledge. Knowledge in the Bible is compared to light. The Bible defines light as knowledge. Psalm 119 and verse 30 says the following. Psalms 119 verse 30 says, The entrance of thy words gives light. It gives understanding unto the simple. The moment we receive the word of God and embrace it, light is turned on in our minds and in our spirits. The New Living Translation says it this way, The teaching of your word gives light or knowledge, so even the simple can understand it. Praise God. Therefore, knowledge of God, knowledge of what the Lord has already done on the cross through Christ, knowledge of who we are in Christ Jesus, what we have and what we can do through Christ eliminates His work in our lives. Hence the reason the Lord has instructed us to go out and preach the gospel. Why? He said, go, take this gospel unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Because the gospel, or the word of God, good news, expels darkness. Where there is darkness, the only way to expel these darkness is by turning on the light. Amen? You walk into a room and it's full of darkness. You can't take a bucket and, and empty the room out of darkness. It doesn't work that way. All you need to do is turn on the light. Flip the switch, light is on, and darkness disappears. That is why the Lord told us to go and preach the good news so that we can expel the darkness in people's minds or spiritual ignorance to the point where they see and embrace truth which sets them free from the dominion of darkness. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21 says the following. It pleased God 
by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. By the foolishness of preaching the good news to save those that believe the gospel. So, we come therefore to the conclusion that if we desire to grow in the development of our faith, we must first grow in the knowledge of God and His Word. Because knowledge is the fuel that ignites our faith. This is very important. Faith cannot be developed by prayer. Because faith doesn't come through prayer. It comes through hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the more of the knowledge we have, the more faith we can exercise in a certain direction. So, if we want to grow and develop in our faith, we must grow and develop in the knowledge of God, in the, in the will of God, in regards to who we are, what has happened to us when we got born again, which part of us was recreated, what have we received when we got born again, and what we can do through Christ as the Word says, who strengthens us. All of these truths are vitally important for the development and the exercise of our faith. As I say, knowledge of the Word of God, of the will of God, is the fuel that ignites our faith. You may have the most expensive mode of transportation in the world, but without fuel, you're not going anywhere. Amen? I may own a jet that is millions of rands and parked on the tarmac, but if I have no aviation fuel, I'm not going anywhere, no matter how sophisticated my jet is. You may have the most expensive vehicle parked in your garage, but if you don't, fuel, if you don't fill the tank with the fuel, you're not going anywhere. So it is with our faith. There's nothing wrong with our faith. The faith that we have received is the faith of the Son of God. The same faith that operated in the Lord Jesus, in the Apostle Paul, in the Apostle Peter, all of the early apostles, it is the same faith that we have received when we got born again. The same measure. God did not give one more than, than another. The Word of God says we have received the same measure of faith and that's recorded in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. So, there's nothing wrong with our faith. The problem is not a faith problem. The problem is a knowledge problem. And that is why we need to educate ourselves in the Word of God. Amen? Our minds, the mind of the believer, must be renewed with the knowledge of the Word of God in regards to, first of all, what happened to us when we got born again. You need to know who you are from the spiritual standpoint, not just from the natural standpoint. You need to understand what really took place when you were born again by the Spirit of God. 
I have done a study and the Lord gave me a revelation the other day. The only difference between the early disciples and us today, modern Christians, is this one thing. The early disciples had such a revelation of who God is, of the love of God, and what happened at the, uh, when they got saved, when they got born again. They had such a revelation of the great plan of salvation that nothing else mattered in the light of this revelation. Everything else seemed so insignificant and unimportant concerning to who they were in Christ Jesus. That single revelation made them so courageous and so bold, they ran to their death singing hymns and praises to God. They faced the, the persecutors, they faced the hungry lions with praise upon their lips because of the revelation that they had concerning the love of God, concerning the new birth and what they had in Christ Jesus the Lord. And that is what made them so strong and so courageous and so bold in the face of such persecution and tests and trials. And I, I believe this, that if we receive the fullness of the revelation of God's great plan of salvation, if we receive the revelation of the love of God and the immensity of the love of God, everything else will seem so unimportant and insignificant. We will be able to face the challenges of life and the tests and trials with a smile on our face and a praise in our lips constantly because we know and have a revelation of what we have in Christ Jesus. In fact, the early disciples called those challenges and, and trials they faced momentary light affliction. Imagine that. Imagine being thrown to the lions and Paul calls it momentary light affliction. God was so big to them that everything else in the light of God and His love and what He has done for them in Christ, everything else just lost, lost influence over their lives. And that was the secret that made them so courageous and so bold. So the Word of God instructs us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation can only come as our minds are renewed. And believe me, it's not an easy task. It takes hours and hours of studying and meditating in the Word of God. And you never get to a place where you can say, my mind is completely renewed. Because we will never reach, as long as we are on this planet, we will never reach the depths of revelation knowledge concerning the greatness of our God, the love of God, uh, and, and what the Lord has done for us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So a renewed mind is what the Bible calls a spiritual mind. It is a mind that is filled with the knowledge of God 
and one that is constantly stayed on God. That is why Romans chapter 8 says that a spiritual mind produces life and peace, but a carnal mind produces death. What is a carnal mind? A carnal mind is one that has not been touched by the Word of God. A carnal mind is not a renewed mind. Amen? Now that's something that we do, not God. He has given us that responsibility to renew our minds. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 says the following. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, this is not a suggestion. This is a command. He said, if you were raised with Christ, and the born-again believer has been raised, has, was raised with Christ, and is seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Now, if we were raised with Christ, then we ought to seek those things which are above. What is above? The Word of God, the thoughts of God, the will of God. He said, set your mind on things above. That is something we do, not God. We must discipline our minds to think constantly on the things of God and not on the things of the earth. I have learned <clears throat> that a renewed mind will always evaluate everything from a spiritual standpoint. A renewed mind does not look at things merely from a natural standpoint, but always from God's point, from a spiritual standpoint. And as long as our minds are kept in the dark or unrenewed, Concerning the truth, we will continue to be defeated in life. And as the word says in Ephesians, for being alienated from the life that Christ came to give us. An unrenewed mind will reason you out of obedience to the word of God. Will always interfere with your faith. And in fact, it will short circuit your faith. Because logic when, you, when it comes to walking by faith, it's got nothing to do with logic. We need to step out of that logic realm into the realm of the Spirit. So if your mind is unrenewed, it will always oppose you. The Word of God says, give and it shall be given unto you again. And you start looking at your bank book and you start looking at your pocket and you say, but... If I can't make it with 100%, how am I going to make it with 80%, with 90%? Your logic will always trip you up because it's unrenewed. But a spiritual mind will not allow himself to think that way. Because a spiritual mind will always go to the Word of God and will put the Word into practice because the renewed mind will always side with God's word rather than your own logical reasoning. Are you with me so far? Praise the Lord. A renewed mind, for instance, the word of God says, believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If your mind is unrenewed, you will always hesitate. Well, what if I do it and it doesn't work? 
A renewed mind doesn't think that. A renewed mind doesn't think doubt or fear or unbelief. Hello? It thinks in line with God's word. <clears throat> and let me say this to you. Our lives will always go in the direction of our thoughts. That is why we need to discipline our way of thinking. Your life will always go in the direction of your thoughts, especially your predominant thoughts. Where the mind goes, the man goes or the woman goes. You can't think one way and do and, and, and walk in another. You will always go in the direction of your predominant thoughts. Why do I say that? Because Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Underline that verse. Meditate in it. Ponder on it. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and check your thoughts. What do you think about all day? Well, you say, well, how can I go around with the Bible all day long? I've got work to do. I've got kids to take care of. I've got every other thing, so many chores that we need to be doing. Well, you can do those things, but in the back of your mind, you can always think God's thoughts. Worry is the opposite of meditation in the word. Worry is meditating in the negative. Worry is meditating in the words of the devil. Hello? But you can take the word of God and put it in your mind and in the back of your mind while you are doing your work, while you're driving, you're constantly thinking about the word of God and what God said and about the promises of God. So the word says in Proverbs 27, 23 verse 7, you are who you think you are. Just think about that for a moment. You are who you think you are. And you can only do what you think you can do. I believe it is my conviction that so often every single day, our thoughts limit God terribly. Your thoughts can imprison you or your thoughts can take you to the highest place. Your imagination. That is why the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, casting down imaginations and every thought that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Thoughts are imaginations. You imagine things that are contrary to the Word of God. We ought to take those thoughts and imaginations and tear them down and expel them from our mind and replace them with God's thoughts. Amen? You're with me? We will never be able to function beyond the scope of our thoughts. You're believing will never be any higher than your thinking. That is, that is why it's so important that without a renewed mind, your faith will be crippled. It will be like you have the most expensive mode of transportation, but you cannot go anywhere because your mind keeps casting you down, your logic, your unrenewed mind. Our thoughts limit us, or empower us. 
They can imprison us or they can release us. So, we come therefore to the conclusion. If we want to change our lives, we must first change our thoughts. And not only that, we need to guard the eye gate and the ear gate. Folks, listen to me. This world is baptized in unbelief. Every single day, we are bombarded with fear, with bad news, with unbelief, with corruption, with the things that are going on in this world. That's why Jesus says, take heed what you hear. You've got to protect your eyes from seeing things you shouldn't be seeing. You've got to protect your ears from hearing things you shouldn't be hearing. Because if you, if you continually look at things and hear things contrary to the Word of God, those things are going to filter down into your spirit and into your mind, and you your spirit will want to do one thing, but your flesh will go the other way, and, and your unrenewed mind will side with your flesh and put your spirit in prison. Images are very powerful. Why do you think... These big companies, they spent millions and millions of, of, of rands just to take a 30-second advert or one-minute advert. Obviously, they've done the homework. They know images are powerful. That is why we need to have the images of the promises of God constantly before our eyes. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ears unto my sayings. Recently I've been doing, uh, I've decided if I want my faith to go to higher levels, I'm going to have to change some of my habits and behavior and attitude. I've been listening to the word of God five, six hours sometimes a day. The word says, let not, your, um, uh, let not my word depart from your eyes, incline your ears unto my sayings, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them, and health to all of the flesh. If you want healing, you've got to keep your eyes on the word. Meditate on the healing scriptures. If you want prosperity, you've got to meditate on the word of God and the promises of God that promise you financial freedom and financial prosperity. If you want divine protection, you've got to keep your nose and your eyes and your ears in the word that promises you divine protection. Amen? So if we want to change our lives, we must first change our thoughts. This is the true meaning of the word repentance. Now, the Greek word for repentance is called metania, which literally means change of mind. And this kind of repentance has nothing to do with guilt, with tears, with regret, or even shame. Nothing to do with that. Repentance implies of making a decision to turn around to face a new direction. Change of mind. 
You want to change your life? Change the way you think. You're not happy with your life? You're not happy with your circumstances? Then change the way you think. Go to the Word of God. Fill your mind with God's promises, God's thoughts. Uh, let your heart be saturated with the Word. Let it come out of your, out of your mouth and change the environment or your, your, your crisis, or your, your lack, your poverty, your pain, your sickness, your disease, or whatever it is that you are battling at the moment. The Word will do it for you. Because the Word of God is alive. And it's powerful. And the Word of God says it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Amen? No one can turn his life around without first changing the way he thinks. God's word says in Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And God's thoughts are all contained in His Word. If we want to know what God thinks about any situation, the only place we will find true information is in His Word. Hence the reason God instructed us to meditate in His Word day and night. Not five minutes a day, not ten minutes a day, not an hour, but day and night constantly, so that our minds might be renewed with His thoughts. Well, Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 gives us such a beautiful um, instruction. Paul writing to the Philippians, he said, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate, meditate on these things. Now, God could not be any simpler in His Word or in His instruction, no plainer than what He is. He said to Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate in a day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God provided the means. It's what we do with what God has given us, and primarily His Word, that will determine whether we will make our way prosperous, and whether we will be successful in life. Amen? I think that's, that's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful revelation. So, <clears throat> let me reiterate just a couple of things before we open it up. Remember, there's nothing wrong with your faith. You and I have the same measure of faith that the early disciples received. Our faith is perfect. But for our faith to function to its maximum, we need to have a renewed mind. Knowledge is the fuel of faith. So the more knowledge you have, the more successful you will be in exercising your faith in every sphere of life. 
Remember that. So, I expect you to get to work. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the things that we have learned today. And Lord, we decree and declare in the name of Jesus that we will not just be hearers of the word, but doers of your word. We will obey. We will practice. We will meditate in your word. And we give you thanks and praise for having loved us so much that you have given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And all those things you have given are in your precious word and in your exceeding great and precious promises. Thank you, Father. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.